Father, we just want to thank you. We want to praise you. We want to give you glory. Father, even through the ministry of the word, we want to continue to remain in the attitude of worship. Because listening to the Almighty God is the highest form of worship. Because Lord, you said in your word that you have exalted your word above all your name. And therefore this morning, speak to us, O Lord. Enable us to exalt your word in every situation that we face, O Lord. Not our thoughts, but your thoughts. And therefore this morning, reveal to us your heart. Instruct our minds. Form our hearts. Transform us. And conform us to your will. That Lord, we will, that you will truly find in this last generation. A set of people. Who would follow you all the way. Even as we have sung. Like Job they would say, oh Lord, even if you slay me, I will still worship you. And I will still serve you. Speak to us this morning. Anoint us in the speaking and the hearing. And more importantly, empower us to obey. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name. Amen. Exactly um, one year back, uh, we had the lockdown and uh, we were all, especially Sam and I were reminiscing of the five of us who were in the church office. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the most incredible experiences. And we were saying we miss those days. But um, um, literally, uh, together, we were sleeping for four hours a day, um, less than that sometimes, and we, did, and we did not die. So so it was proven empirically. So if you sleep less, nothing will happen to you. Uh, we had data, and it was really some incredible experience, you know. Um, we miss those days, but at the same time, the reason why I'm saying it is, it's been an incredible year. Never in the history of mankind we had ever, anybody has ever faced these kinds of situations. And God is speaking loudly, okay, and is saying, my Time is really, really close at hand. We are not setting any dates. But he is there. And therefore, it's very, very important that in these last days, that as a people, if God has a specific purpose for us in his life, in our lives, that we have to fulfill that one calling. And if we are in those days, and the time is just getting getting by so fast, I think it's very, very important for us to find what it is and to fulfill it. We should not go to the other side without fulfilling what God has for us in our lives. Of course, um, the church celebrates what we call as the Palm Sunday. Um, account found in all the four Gospels. So it's, it's, it's important, right? Um in, in all the characters in the Palm Sunday account, one guy who always attracts me is a donkey. Okay, that's the donkey is the one 
who speaks volumes with not speaking at all. We've come to the donkey, but the four the four gospels. I mean, it's very rare that all the uh, all the gospels record this particular event. All the gospels talk about this triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And it's all but triumphant for many people. Even the Romans, when they looked at it, they said, what kind of an entry is this? No king comes on a donkey, and that too on a colt, not even on a donkey, but a colt of a donkey. Colt means the baby of a donkey. This is huge man, strong, huge man on a donkey going up the Mount of Olives and reaching Jerusalem. It's incredible. The scene is totally, I mean, you, 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 it's completely at variance to the, to the, to the value structure of this world. What kind of a king is this? But of course, Jesus was fulfilling something incredible. So four accounts in the gospels will talk about the Palm Sunday. But this morning, I just wanted to look at one play, one account, which kind of also gives you the reason as to why the euphoria, so much of euphoria. I mean, and and Jesus also allows himself to be declared as king. Why is there so much of euphoria? If you turn with me to John's gospel, chapter 11, let's read from verse 1 to 3 and then from 9 onwards. 1 to 3 first and then from verse 9 onwards. It says... Oh, sorry, 12. No, not not 11. John's Gospel, chapter 12. 1 to 3 and verse 9 onwards. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, uh, where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with his with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. So you have three people, an incredible miracle that has happened in their lives. Brother who was dead for four days, almost reaching decomposition. He was resurrected from the dead, and they have this uh, Thanksgiving, if you will, a meal at his, at their home, uh, at the at, not at their home, possibly at the home of Simon the leper. We don't know the details, but Jesus is there. So you have Martha who was serving, and then you have uh, Lazarus who was sitting at the table of Jesus, and Mary was also in some sense serving. So Mary was actually worshiping. It's an incredible picture of work, Martha, worship, Mary, and witness. That is. Lazarus, because he was raised from the dead and they wanted to kill him. Okay. So wherever there's a murderous plot, there's a witness. Okay. Always. You need to understand because the word for witness in the Bible is martyr. Okay. So there's work, there's a worship, and there is witness. And that's exactly what we have to have also in our Christian life. As I said, there are many believers. Believers should become disciples. Okay. And all disciples should graduate to become witnesses. Because he says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, it tells his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. And in order to continue to be a witness, you can, ha- you have to become a saint. Okay. So you ought to be co- constantly be set apart from the value structures of the world and be set apart for God. And then you have to be brothers washing one another's feet, which is also a matrix given by God for our own sanctification. Okay. Because every brother sanctifies you. Okay. In his own way. All right. 
I'm not going to go to the details of that. That's possibly another uh, uh, teaching completely. So you have this incredible struck uh, uh, scene over here, and we know what happens. Uh, Mary is giving away 300 one year's worth of salary and uh, serving Jesus. We are not. That is that is the, that is the setting. And then uh, from verse nine on, what we'll see from verse nine. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. One, but the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. I told you, that's the reason why he's, he's a witness. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Alright? The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So that is, this is the scene. The reason why there's so much of euphoria, suddenly people are just shouting and saying Hosanna is because a notable miracle has taken place in their, in their midst. And they're all so excited. And if this man has brought the dead back to life, surely he should be the king who's got the power to overthrow the Roman Empire and we are going to reign along with him forever. That's what they, their mindset was. So blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel, for the first time. And it's interesting, Jesus, for the very first time in his life, in his, I mean, in his, in his ministry, uh, for three and a half years, allows himself to be addressed as King. Okay? If you remember in John's Gospel chapter 6 and verses 13 to 15, if you, if you look at that, those verses, therefore they gathered them up, uh, them up uh, and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed. He never allowed him uh, himself to be exposed to the kind of mob who would call him king. So, but here for the very first time, Jesus was allowing himself to be called as king. But you know what? The king that people want is not what the king that Jesus wanted to be. You see? Spurgeon said, Jesus had a choice. Choose to be the king of the people, or rather the king that people expected him to be, or be rejected and crucified. The life of Jesus and that of the disciples will always be a conflict of the two. To please man or to please God. Please man and we will make you king. I was writing, down, writing this down in the morning. Or please God and he will make you king. Please man and avoid pain and rejection and suffering. Or please God and embrace suffering, pain and rejection. This will be the life of a disciple. To be king man's way or to be king God's way. So the, the point is, you'll see that Jesus gets into the town. He's riding on this donkey. Now instead of going to Pilate's home, he goes to the, goes to the temple and everybody's shocked. So I just was thinking about what are the reasons why people do not identify Jesus as the, as the king that he wanted them to understand. Why? If you look at this entire passage, if you go, go back to John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, it, this is what it says. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. 
He was fulfilling scripture. Okay? Why did Jesus allow himself to be shout as king? Because his life was a life which was bound by scripture. Was absolutely governed by the scriptures. A consciousness and awareness of the fact that every moment in his life, he has to fulfill scripture. Remember, Jesus was born under the law. Okay. He obeyed the law perfectly. Fulfilled. He lived by the law completely to the letter. He died according to the law. For sin and not because of sin. And then he was raised again because the law says if you do not sin, you sh- you're you should never be crucified. In other words, you should not die. And there was, he was risen. Everything in Jesus' life was governed by scripture. Even the disciples did not know why they were singing. You see? That he had to fulfill scripture. Look at, let's go back to John's Gospel chapter 12 and 14 and 15 and on, onwards. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, that they had done, that he had done these things according to what? Scriptures. You see that? You see, they did not understand until Jesus was glorified. If you'll turn with me again to John's Gospel chapter 7, or one more verse, to understand this perspective, verses 37 to 39, this is what it says. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing in him should would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Why did they not understand the scriptures? Simply because Jesus was not glorified and unless and until Jesus is not glorified in your life, you will not be filled with the Holy Spirit. The only way you will be filled with the Holy Spirit in your life is constantly in every situation of your life, you glorify Jesus. The question therefore is, do I do a conscious check as to how much of my life is governed by scripture? Okay. What are the things that you need to ask, constantly ask? How much of my life is governed by the scriptures? It says, Jesus was born according to the scriptures. He was crucified according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. He was risen from the dead according to the scriptures. Everything in his life was governed by the book. Am I a person? I always ask myself, who is orthodox in theology, but liberal in practice. Sound in doctrine, but expedient in decision making. Is it possible? That a man could be so strong in doctrine, but in his life, when you look at him, he's cutting corners everywhere. He's compromising, but what he subscribes to is perfect theology. And he will tell you, this is not according to the Bible, brother. But if you look at his life, it says in Matthew chapter 23, if you turn from verse, uh, Matthew chapter 23 verses 1 to 3, this is what it says about the Pharisees, that Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. 
so you must be careful to observe what they what they speak and do but do not do according to what their works for they say and do not do so in other words they are in Moses' seat okay they occupy a position and what is Moses' seat Moses' seat is like you know uh, for example uh, if uh, my boss leaves his office okay and he says vijay you are in charge okay you are in you are representing him but you are not him okay you are representing him for, for, for example if you turn with me to deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 18 it's an office given by god it says deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 18 you shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates that's interesting which the lord your god gives you according to your tribes and they shall judge the people with just judgment the word for judge is the word god Elohim. And what are are they supposed to do? They are supposed to judge the people, meaning that they are literally representing God. God has given them the office. It's interesting that even Paul, when he looks at the high priest, high priest calls him something, asks him to smite him, and he says, you whitewashed him. And one guy says, did you call the high priest like that? He said, my goodness, I did not know that he was a high priest. I'm sorry. Immediately recognizes the seat. Yeah. You can... We can put it in our situation also. Let's say, uh, Pastor James goes for a meeting. Okay. Vijay sits in pastor's seat. Okay. Then pastor will say, follow all that Vijay says, but observe his life. You see, you see what I'm talking about? This is what it means. You, you're sitting in a position, observe what they say, but do not do what they do because they say, and do not do. So it is quite possible that you could be absolutely perfect in doctrine, but your life is a total giveaway. It's completely contradictory to what you are, what you profess. The reason many of us don't really enjoy our walk with the Lord is because we do not do it. You know, actually, if you come to church, there should be such, some joy. You know, this song that we were singing, it's one of the, in the for the offertory, is one of the very old hymns of, uh, of Andhra Christ of Kirtanala. I think it was written by Masilamani, if I'm right. It's, this, he says, even if there are so many hurdles in my life, I have made one decision, Lord. I am going to follow you. It is like no turning back. It's like the cross before me, the world behind me, equivalent in Telugu. One of the most powerful songs. You see, what is a dis- one of the reasons why many of us do not really are blessed is because we do not do. We just hear but we do not do. One of the books that says, you know what, you'll really truly get a blessing is the book of Revelation. You can read it. You have to read it often. He says, blessed are those who read the books of the prophecy or who are the here, read the book of the prophecy, who hear the books of the prophecy and also do the books of uh, the, 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 the words of the prophecy. The blessing isn't doing. Let me show you some verses to understand this, to uh, reinforce this thought. John's gospel chapter 13 verses 16 and 17. Look at what it says. Okay. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who, ha- who has sent him. If you know these things, ah, blessed are you if you do them. That means the true blessing isn't doing. James, true blessing isn't, do- isn't doing. James chapter 1 verse 25. James chapter 1 verse 25. Look at what he says. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be what? Blessed of what he, in what he does. You see? 
That when we pray the prayer of Jabez, oh Lord, that you would bless me. Why should he bless you? How can you really experience the blessing of God? But doing the things that he asks us to do. Simple, simple, little, little things. Okay. The son of God's life was one that was characterized by a lifestyle of obeying scripture in the most difficult of circumstances. It was a life which was governed by that. That with that principle. Let me show you an example. One of the most difficult, difficult circumstances. Okay. Matthew chapter 26. This is not, I'm not talking, I'm I'm not even talking about when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness for 40, 40 days. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 26 verse 51 onwards. Matthew chapter 26 verse 51 onwards. This is what it says. And suddenly one of, one, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Peter, yeah, okay. Alright. Because that is what he'll say. Ready, 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 fire, aim, Peter. Ready, fire, aim. Okay. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the, what? Scriptures be fulfilled. No, this is one of the most difficult situations in his life. And he says, you know what? Even here, what is being fulfilled? Scripture is being fulfilled. One of you will betray me. Why? Scripture has to be fulfilled. The life which is characterized by fulfillment. You, you, you need to understand this is it's a very, very important uh, attribute of God. Look at this. God is the word. Because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And you know what he's saying? Even me, because I am the word, I'm not beyond the word. I constrain myself with the word. I'm bound by the word. I can't do anything which is outside the word. Understand these things. Okay. Scripture is fulfilled. In that same hour, Jesus looked at the multitudes. Okay. And look at another thing. John's Gospel chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. John's Gospel chapter 2, verse 17. I'm showing you examples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. This is the first time he goes to Jerusalem. Uh, this is not the, uh, the other Passover where he was crucified. Okay. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen and poured out the changers money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then the disciples remembered that it was what? Written. That the zeal of the father's house consumed him. You see, everything that he did was bound by scriptures. I'll tell you something. Even um, in the Bible, um, there is a the entire book called Lamentations. Okay. Lamentations is a very interesting book simply because it's called what we call as an acrostic in Hebrew. What is an acrostic? There are 22 verses in chapter 1. Okay. So the first verse starts with the beginning alphabet and the last verse starts with the last alphabet. So every verse begins with the first alphabet of the Hebrew. Alright. So if you want to lament, Jeremiah is saying, Lament systematically. Because we have professional mourners, no? In India, you just have to... Lights, camera, on, action. Cut. You, the whole, you, have you seen mourning? You go to a place, they'll start mourning. Amma, chai, bama, please, and start mourning. Again. They are professional mourners. But you know what it says in the Bible? It says, even when you are mourning, mourn systematically. Okay, I want to mourn more. Don't worry. 
chapter 3 has 66 verses. It's interesting. So lamentations, lament systematically. You see, so when Jesus wept, he wept because he was fulfilling scripture. When he did anything, he was fulfilling. And when he wept, in, I mean it says, in the days of his flesh, with loud cries and tears, why was he crying? He's saying, Lord, I never in my life ever want to go outside what you have written for me. Because in the volume of the book that is written about me, I have come and I delight to do your will. That is my, my life. What is my life? My life which is governed by the authority of scripture. You see? There are several scriptures, simple, simple scriptures for us. Children, obey your parents. Simple scripture. See, always, always you should see the attributes of God and see whether we have those attributes. For example, Jesus was the one who created the universe. Yes? Because he says he was, in the, in the beginning was a word, and when he spoke the word, the entire creation happened. Jesus was the one who created Adam and Eve. Jesus was the one who created Joseph and Mary. And it, scripture says, Jesus went and subject himself to... Well, it's interesting. Every, every ordinance of God in his life, he obeyed it to the T. And that too, with joy. For, for children, if you ask them to obey, oh my goodness, it's not easy. They will not have a smile. Okay, daddy, thank you so much. How many of your children said, thank you, daddy, today you gave me a command, I'm going to obey. Have you seen that? Thank you, daddy, today a command, you gave me a command. Okay. It's very, very difficult. I mean, even, forget children. What about adults? Pastor, what a command, Pastor, today. The command to love your brother. Oh, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to obey to the T. I'm going to forgive from the bottom of my heart. Possible? No, Pastor, you do not know what he did to me, what she did to me. Impossible. Even Jesus said, right? It is written. Is it easy to pick up your mat and walk or to forgive your sins? You say that. If it was difficult for Jesus, it's difficult for me also. No. <laughs> you see? This is, this is important. He, his life was something which was governed by the word of God. Scriptures. Okay. Why are we not comforted? Why are we not wise? Because we are not wise according to the scriptures. It says from your childhood you know the scriptures which is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. And he says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. So it means every part of the word of God is for me. That means one of the things, one of your ambitions should be, Lord, before I die, I want to obey every commandment you give me. That will be interesting, isn't it? You know, someone man of God said, most of the prayer requests are, Pastor, please pray for my job, pray for my wife, pray for my children, pray for a breakthrough, pray for this, pray for that. How many of us have actually as pastors received this, this, this prayer request? Pastor, I want to overcome sin in my life. I want to obey the commandments that I receive on, on Sunday morning or through the teaching. Pastor, grant me, pray with me, Pastor, that I will truly, truly desire to overcome. <laughs> Hardly any. Very, very few people. I want, I mean, you have prayer requests now and then. I want to be like this. I want to be like this. It's great. That is genuine. Ultimately, you see, 
why why was it why was it not uh, revealed to them because they did not have the spirit of wisdom that is the reason why if you turn with me to uh, Pro- proverbs chapter 10 proverbs chapter sorry chapter 1 verse uh, 20 to 23 if you can please put it in uh, the message it's very interesting yeah very interesting in message lady wisdom goes out in the street and shouts at the town center, she makes a speech in the middle of the traffic. She she takes a stand at the busiest corner. She calls out, "Simpletons, how long will you wallow in your ignorance? Cynics, how long will you feed your cynicism? Dash, how long will you refuse to learn? About face, I can revise your life. About face means turn around." Look, I'm ready to pour out my spirit on you. I'm ready to tell you all I know. And who's calling out? Wisdom is calling out. What will wisdom pour out? The spirit of? Spirit of wisdom. I'm ready to pour out my spirit and I want to make all my words known to you. Only if you, what? Turn. Turn at my what? At my correction. Okay. I have so many things to say, Jesus said. But you will not be able to bear them at once. But when the spirit of truth comes, what will he do? He will lead you to all truth. He will not speak of himself, but all that I have already spoken, he will take and then he will reveal this to you. You see, when he goes to Nazareth, he knows which part of scripture also is fulfilling. Go to, look, go to Nazareth, Luke's gospel chapter 4, verse 16 onwards. Yeah, look at what it says. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then stops there to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Full stop. It's actually not full stop. And then he says, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and said, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed at him. And you know what he says in the next verse, verse 21. And he began to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What is the scripture? I did not come to destroy. I came to reconcile you. <laughs> he knows exactly how much and what part of scripture he was fulfilling. Okay. A life which was absolutely saturated and bound by the scriptures. The word of God is absolutely going to subject himself to the word that he authored. That's interesting. See, there are laws and those laws, I'm not talking about natural laws. There are moral laws of God which can never be broken. Why do we see breakdown in society? Simply because they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And it says, the wrath of God is being revealed against all unrighteousness of men and ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful. They professed themselves to be wise and they became fools and their foolish heart was darkened. So what did God do? He gave them over. He gave them over to a debased mind. It's amazing how you see just literally that is just coming. It's unfolding before our very eyes in our society. I'm not even talking about Western society. I'm talking about how our society in India supposed to be the more conservative people. You have to listen to stories. 
about some people in India. When, they, when you look at them, they look so conservative on the outside. I told you, you know, conservative on the outside, inside, my God, everything. Okay. How much of our life is, go- is governed by the scriptures? If I want to ask you this question, what is the most important verse in the entire uh, book of Daniel, let's say? What is the most important verse in the, for if you were to read the book of Daniel, what would you think, according to you, is the most important verse upon which the entire book of Daniel is based upon? Excuse me? One eight, thank you, Dr. Richard is on the money. What it says, Daniel chapter one verse eight, Daniel purposed in his heart that he will not defile himself. See, if this was not there, there's no Daniel. There's no Daniel. God might have, might have found somebody else, but definitely Daniel would never have existed. And what did he do? He said, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested. Why? This is not according to my word. It doesn't matter how tasty it is. This is not what God allows. This is because it is written. A life that will not compromise on the standards of God, standards, standards of God to get by. Okay. He's only taking for Look at this. He would not defile himself. He only chose for himself. Okay. He's not judging others. In as far as I'm concerned, this is not according to the word of God. I'm not going to do it. You see. Therefore, our choices. You see, what was the, what was the temptation? It was food. It could be anything. You know, one of the things that I love to see is National Geographic. Okay? National Geographic for wildlife. And for sea life, I I like to go to those people who train dolphins. I love to see those. It's very interesting. But if you look at the life of how they train dolphins, that fellow, if you have to train him, one of the constant things you have to have in your hand is what? Food. Thank you. Fish. You've seen that, right? Keep on throwing fish, he'll do whatever you want. Food, 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 food. It has to have food. So you throw him food, he'll do whatever you want. If you don't throw him food, he always needs a pat on his back and food. Pat on his back and food. Pat on his back and food. I I, I wonder what would happen to him if you just take away the food. Will he get trained? See? Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 8 and 9. I gave you your master's, sorry, uh, so 11, 11, 11 and 8, verse 8 and 9. Second Samuel. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house. A gift of what? Food. Followed him. But he would not take it. He would not allow anything to compromise the standards. You know what Jesus said? My food is to do the will of God. And to fin- fulfill and finish what he has asked me to do. Man shall not live by bread, bread alone, but by every word. How did he start it? It is written. Okay. It is written. So one of the first things you'll see, why do these people not understand this king? Simply because they don't know the scriptures. 
the mind is completely cluttered by the world. We do not understand the things of God because our life is not governed by scriptures. You see, there are two, I was, I was sharing this sometime back. There are two kinds of deaf people. Some deaf people can't hear at all. Okay? So they don't have any perception of sound. Some people they can hear. For example, if you do this, they hear. Okay? You make sounds, they hear. They, they go outside, there's a chirping of the birds, they hear. But the moment you start speaking language, they're not here. They say, ah. It's exactly what happens. A lot of people, they hear all the sounds of the world, but when it comes to the word of God, they can't hear. Okay. Because something, there are no categories in their minds to understand because their life has not been governed by the word of God. Look at what Jesus says in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 25 onwards. 26. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and are full. That means you are like dolphins. Food, food, food. You will come wherever for food. Okay. Amazing. You will see that during pastor's conference also. Very interesting. I am not... Looking down upon them. Some people, they will come here because it's non witch And they will attend somebody else. See. Somebody else's meeting. See. Because you are full. Just imagine, if God were to take away that food aspect, how many of us really follow him? Food or no food. Jesus said, I am here to do your will. You can take everything away from my life. But I am here to do your will. That is the reason I love that song. What a song. No matter how many hurdles in my life, I am just going to follow you all the way. Okay. Second, the life is not governed. They wanted a king, another kind of a king. You know what kind of a king they want? They wanted a king who would solve their problems now. You see, it's like this, no? You take an eternal God to solve temporal problems. But God says, I want to redeem you from temporal problems and take you to eternity. You are seated together with him where? In heavenly places. We are, we have to be, become eternally conscious. But instead of having eternal consciousness, you say, you know what? Take God who is infinite and put him in time. We have to have our problems solved. Is it wrong? Absolutely. Nothing wrong in asking God to solve our situations. Please don't misunderstand me. But that is not the reason why we why we seek God. The reason why we cannot understand this king is simply because we want to take this infinite God and we want to ask him to solve our temporal problems. You see? Why could they not recognize the king? Because they wanted the king who could solve their time problems, temporal problems. They wanted to bring the eternal God to solve their time-bound issues. And what did God want to do? Deliver them from time. And take them to eternity. You know what Paul says? This what? Light and momentary affliction. It's completely conscious about what is on the other side. See, life is too short. Eternity is too long. So what would you rather choose? Eternity or life? That is the reason why if you choose 
to save your life, you will lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. Look at what it says. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the world. But the cares of this, you know, the word, the word for world is of this time. The word is eon, which is time essentially. Of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes what? Unfruitful. Why? It's not profitable anymore because his entire life is governed by this time. You see? Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. It says, Timothy, uh, Paul tells Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly for Demas has forsaken me having loved this, what? Present word. It's gone. Just imagine, no? In eternity, how much Demas would have lost? Think about that. Second Kings chapter 5 verses 25 to 27. Second Kings chapter 5 verses 25 to 27. Now he went in and stood before his master. Elisha said to him, where did you go Gehazi? And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money? To receive clothing? Olive groves, vineyards, sheep, oxen, male and female donkeys and servants? Why, why did he trapped in time? Another place, Luke's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 34. Now this is the Sadducees who, who believe in no resurrection. They come to him. A man was there, married a wife. He died. This, this girl married all the seven brothers. All of them died in eternity. Whose husband? Whose wife? Look at what Jesus has answered. Jesus answered and said, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. After we finish our, uh, generally, you know, we finish our uh, marriage ceremony, a wedding ceremony in our church, we go as pastors, parents will come. I got to, <laughs> from some other church, they don't even come to our church. Please, can you find a boy for my wife, for my boy, for my uh, daughter, and a girl for my boy. This is constant. Okay. Well, there was one pastor who took me to his home, Okay. Did Pildi Chupuli also. This is my daughter. This is her picture. You have to find her. You see, completely governed by this life. Completely governed by this life. And then what he says, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given. In other words, they're not concerned about these things. Go Go on. Nor can they die anymore for they are equal to the angels and are the sons of God being sons of the resurrection. You see that? They're equal to the what? They're equal to the angels. They are sons of God, no? Uh, today we were singing, you know, Father God, I wonder how I'll manage to exist with the knowledge of your parenthood. For now I am your... You're saying as a child, you know what the original translation is? Son. There, no daughters, only sons. Okay, if you look at the entire book of Proverbs, my son, it doesn't say my son or daughter. My son. Psalm 110, it says, children are a heritage of the Lord is what your translation says. You know what the original translation is? Sons. So what is God birthing? Sons. If the son sets you free, he is, you are free indeed. 
A servant will not forever stay in the house, but who stays? A son. He's not talking about gender. He's talking about the position that God gives you. He treats all of us as sons, provided you fulfill your your order on the side of eternity. You see that? Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children, I think this is KJV, NIV, yeah, sons are a heritage from the Lord. You see, therefore it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 29, look at what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 29. But this I say, brothers, the time is short so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Okay. Don't take it out of context. Okay. Those who weep as though did not, they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though did not rejoice. Those who buy as though did not possess. Very difficult. Very, very difficult. Okay. If somebody takes your car, brother comes and takes your car. I'm talking about brother in the church. Okay. And suddenly they're just parking their car in the, in the, in the, in the parking lot and suddenly you hear the crunch of metal. What will happen to your heart? You'll come on and say, what happened? What did you do to my car? I remember when I got my first car, wagon R, second hand. My brother took it. He's not here. He just smashed it dent like this. And he came to me and he said, uh, Anna, I said, Rishi, don't tell me anything, okay? Just replace it. Simple. <laughs> replace. See, how we hold on to things? Nadi. See. The point is, we own nothing. We own nothing actually. You know what? Even the breaths that you are taking is actually given to you. Jesus owns, owns everything and he gives everything freely. We own that thing and we hold on to everything. As if we own them. Understand? See, it's very difficult to really uh, confess that. They joyfully accepted the full the spoiling of their goods. Oh my goodness. I said, Lord, what is this Lord? Is it so easy for us? Joyfully accepting the spoiling of your goods. That's what happens when you are living in community. It's not that we have become sloppy. We are sloppy. It's only that now everybody knows. It's very difficult to hide. That's the reason why I like the lockdown. No. Four, hour, four hours of sleep and you should see the directions in which you have slept. Okay. It's called attitude control. Okay. In mutually orthogonal directions we used to sleep. And we, and we were like looking at us. I was like, this is what we are. Totally. <laughs> Organizedly disorganized. Systematically. And what revealed? Close community. You put two, three brothers together. For a few days, I remember Art Katz, he had this um, sister from Japan who came to his community. You know, Japanese, very, very, you know, cultured. All they do is, konnichiwa, 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 okay? So, she was living in the community for seven days, for 15 days, konnichiwa, 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 she was doing, and everybody thought, my goodness, such a humble lady. After 15 days of konnichiwa, 16th day, one porcelain came out of the kitchen. 
and struck the pastor's wife on the head. What has happened? The frictions in, 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 their, in their dwelling together as a community were exposed. What you could hide in your antiseptic homes suddenly gets exposed when you start living as a community. That is the reason why a saint has to become a brother. Truly. <laughs> How long should a brother sin against me and you should forgive him? Seven times seven. Seventy times. If he comes seven times in a day and he repents, you have to forgive him. <sighs> increase our faith. Thank you. <laughs> you see, increase our faith. So let, me, let me tell you something. Faith and humility go together. We'll come to that later on. So he says, go back to seven. Those who are mourning should not yeah, was uh, those who buy as though they did not possess, and then and then goes go on. Verse thirty-one, important. And those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is what passing away. You know, in Telugu it's very interesting. It's a pretense of this world. What you see here is only a similitude. It's a shadow. And what are we looking for? We are looking for the substance. But you know what? We get carried away by the shadow. And one man of God gave a very interesting example. He said, uh, this girl had an alliance from US. Those days, US from alliance from US. They didn't have internet and uh, what is this? Uh, uh, chat and video chat, nothing. The parents showed a photo. Okay. And they spoke over the phone. And she fell in love head over heels with this guy. And he said, such and such a date, I'm coming to back to India and I'm going to marry you. So she was looking at the photo. Full every day she would look at the photo. Oh, my husband. etc. Okay. And she was looking at the picture and she was just dreaming and dreaming and dreaming and dreaming. That guy was supposed to come in July, but he wanted to surprise his fiance. So he came in June. And she was in the courtyard. Uh, I mean, so you know, in a garden, and she was busy reading the book and the, with the photo there, no? So looking at the photo, looking at the photo, looking at the photo. And then suddenly, you know what came? What happened? This guy came into the home. The parents were like, hey, you came. He said, shh, I'm here to surprise her. And slowly he comes, and he comes into the garden, and this girl is just watching the photo like that. And he comes, and he knocks her behind. He says, don't disturb me, please. I'm engrossed with my fiancé. And he says, I'm here. Please don't disturb me. I'm engrossed with my fiancé. I'm here. Please don't disturb me. I'm on... You know what? There's so many believers are like that. They're looking at the shadow. The true one is already here. They're engrossed. He's already here. And we run after shadows. That is what, that's what happens, right? We run after all these Jewish festivals. Why? <laughs> the shadow, they're all shadows, but the real one has already come and he's come and he's gone. Come and he's gone. And he's coming back again. Maybe he's going to come earlier than you think. Can you say Maranatha? No, 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 Lord. Lord. Just, can I just get married once and you know, it's just maybe this paper or this breakthrough or this PhD or something. After I finish this, then, then you can come. Okay. Don't get engrossed, he says. You know, that's the reason why you can't understand this king. You know why? Because we have an eternal king who's supposed to take us into eternity and he says, you know what? I want to give you the consciousness of the other side. This side is temporary. Everything that you enjoy in this life is temporary. All the pleasures of this life is 
pointing out, pointing you to another life on the other side, you're getting carried away by the shadow. And when the substance has come, you're totally unaware. But you know why? They're looking for eternal, eternal God to solve their temporal problems. How many, of, how many of us fasted and prayed for our breakthrough in the office? Oh. I want it, I want it, I want it. How many of us fasted and prayed because you wanted to overcome sin? Very few. It's difficult, you see? Because we are caught in time. We want a God who is going to immediately come. One guy will be on the left, one guy on the right. And Judas was saying, I'm going to be the treasurer. That is the reason why he was very upset. 300 dinars that could come into the treasury. And I could help myself. Isn't it interesting? One person, 300 dinars she was willing to give to Jesus. And one guy for 30 pieces of silver sold Jesus. Which kind are you? Very difficult. Because we are caught in time. We are caught in the temporal. Reason number three. Why could they not recognize him? As king? Because this lowly and humble king, Hamara Raja to Goda me aega. Then the church, God in the middle, God in the middle. Donkey? And that to a colt of a donkey? Let me tell you something. One of the attributes of God. God is omniscient. We know. God is omnipotent. We know. God is immutable. We know. God is all powerful. Almighty. I am almighty. We know. God is humble. And we are not. God is humble. And we are not. Let me show you. Let me just prove this to you. Okay. It says in Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, although he was God, he did not consider equality to be God something to be grasped. But he made himself of no reputation. That means he is God. He created the world. He says, he was the one by whom the worlds were created. He was the, he was the brightness of the Father's glory. He was the exact representation of his person. He holds everything by the word of his power. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is also the one who came and died for us for our sins. Now, look at this. Did we create anything? No. Did we have any authority? No. God has created. God has made himself of no reputation. He didn't have to. He is absolutely rich. He made himself poor. He is absolutely holy. He came and dwelt among people who are so, so unclean. It's like this, no? One, when, when those days, those are not nowadays anymore, when our friends used to come back from US, suddenly if you take them to Irani Chari, how they behave? Chai. Mineral water. Mineral water. Okay. Kinle. Aquafina. Remember those days, no? Dr. Richard? All our friends used to come. No, I don't want to touch this. No, it's, I don't know how many germs are there. Because he came from what? Supposedly a cleaner country. And into a, a little. Now think about a God who built in absolute holiness. Absolute. I remember Pastor James telling us so many days back, no, he said, he told God one day, he said, Lord, take me anywhere in this world 
but give me a place where there's a toilet. And you know what God told him? Half of the world is out of your picture. Because half the world doesn't have a toilet. When you go to a slum, how many of you really love to go go into a slum? You know, when we walk through the path of the slum, we want to just get out of it quickly. And we get irritated with those people who are coming and blocking our nice car. Even if it's a nano. I want to get out of it because we don't want to. We, we, we don't want to stay there. Imagine a God who existed in absolute cleanliness. No germs, no sickness, no sin, no disease. And he comes amongst the people who are leprous from head to toe. That's what he says. What, what is there? Your whole body is sick, he tells Isaiah, through Isaiah. From the head of the from the crown of the head to the sole of the feet what is there is bruises and putrefying sores imagine that no putrefying sores just imagine those pictures and he comes in and he embraces you how many of you really prayed girls make me like mother Teresa oh never no no yeah this is very very nice but make me like no 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 very difficult very difficult because you know what? We have an aversion towards the naturally. Think about God. Holy, holy, holy. You know one of the things that you read through the book of Revelation, they just need a reason to, to start worshipping. From chapter 4, whenever they see, everybody falls down and starts worshipping. You know why? Because they are stunned by this incredibly holy God and how can this incredibly holy God love me? For a wretched person like me. That is humility. See, we say, God has, he humbled himself, made himself of, what reputation do we have? Some reputation here and there, we have some degrees that we have acquired over a period of time, we think that we are top mega pan. Hmm? Right? What did he, what do we have? Nothing. And still we are, Proud. He has everything and he still is humble. God is humble and we are not. We are not. So I'll tell you something. Genuine faith and genuine humility go together. He says, God says, I give grace to the humble, but I resist the proud. How do we have grace? It says in Romans chapter 5, we have access into this grace through what? Through faith, right? Through faith, we have access into this grace upon which we stand. That means if you want to have grace, we need to have faith. But God says, I give grace to the humble. That means a person who is genuinely faithful, who is receiving the grace of God, is humble, a faithful, a person of faith is a humble person. Remember? The rich the centurion comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come into my house. You know what Jesus says? He doesn't say great is your humility. He says great is your faith. It is not meat for giving the children's food to the dogs. Oh, you call me a dog? No offense. Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs which come from the master's table. Great is your faith. Humility and faith going together. Faith and humility are the only ways to access the power of God. And God is what? 
humble and we are not so when somebody comes like a donkey you know on a donkey we are not able to recognize because our mindset of this world is, is uh, our mindset of a king is completely different we are not look at look at, look at what it says in uh, psalm 25 verse 9 psalm 25 verse 9 if you can put it in kjv it's interesting psalm 25 verse 9 <clears throat> psalm 25 the meek will he guide in judgment the meek will he teach the way the meek will he teach the way and who was the meekest man on earth before jesus Moses, he was most meek among all the competitors that he had. He was the meekest. You see, God has everything. He is humble. We have nothing. And we are proud. That is the reason why we are what we call as puffed up. You know what puff is, no? Puffed up meaning I have a swelling on my feet. Okay. It's full swelling. What is there inside? Gas. Nothing. But somebody touches it. Oh, no, don't touch me there. Don't touch me. See, we have nothing, but we have pride. God has everything, but he's humble. Let's look at another passage. So how do we access this God? Turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. Let's read from verse 1 to 6. If you can put it in the KJV, it'll be great. Now when they drew, yeah, and when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, go your way into the village over against you. And as you, and as soon as he be entered into it, he shall find a cold tide, whereon never a man sat, lose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do you do this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him and straight away he will send him hither. And they went their way, and found a cold by the door, without in a place where two, two ways met, and they lose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do we? Losing the cold? And they said to him, said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. So, how did he bring this donkey? Jesus said, Go to a certain place. And when you find there'll be a donkey and a colt of a donkey, both are tied. Oh, so the colt is tied or Maybe it's not, but okay, yeah. Let's imagine the cold is tied. Lose that guy and bring him here. Somebody asks you, what should you say? The Lord has need of it. Okay, and he will let him go. See, the only person who will actually allow the king to come into his life is a donkey who's tender Upon whom no man sat. It's interesting. Note that point. God is looking for people upon whom no man sat. Donkey is a beast of burden. If you turn with me to Esther chapter 6, verses 6 to 9. You know why? Kings don't share their vehicles with anybody. Once it belongs to the king, Nobody touches it. Kings don't share their clothes. Once it belongs to the king, nobody touches it. Look at what it says in Esther chapter 6 verse. So Haman came in and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? Okay. Haman answered and said, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn and a horse upon which the king has sat. Or ridden. 
which has a royal crest placed upon his head. Not an ordinary horse, okay? Not an ordinary horse, a royal horse. When you look at it, it should be royal. You know, there was a, there was a pastor who, uh, went, who had a friend who was rearing horses. Okay. So he went to his, uh, uh, his, uh, his stable and he found a fantastic horse. Beautiful, magnificent horse. Okay. Polished, you know, nicely brushed. You see, when you go, you will see some YouTube videos on how they brush horses. Beautiful horse. And he says, he looked at a horse and he said, what kind of, uh, beautiful horse, what does it do? Uh, do you, what do you use it for? He said, no, no, I don't use it for anything. I don't, uh, I cannot ride it. Why can't you ride it? Because it doesn't allow me to place a gene on it. Gene means you will not, you will not allow the saddle to be placed upon it. He said, oh, he said, so what do you use it? Do you use it for uh, carrying the carriages? He said, no, 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 no. This is a horse which will not carry carriages. In fact, if you put, tie it to a carriage one day, it destroyed the carriage. It jumped on the carriage and destroyed it. Oh, he said, oh, okay, what, what about this? Then do you use it for uh, racing purposes? He said, no, 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 this is not a race horse. And he asked him, okay, this fellow, you cannot ride on this horse. You cannot, uh, uh, you cannot uh, t- use this horse to carry the carriage. And a third one, uh, you cannot even use it for racing. What do you use it for? He said, this is a horse which gives poses. It gives poses. All the photographers, when they come to my stable, they come and this horse gives all kinds of poses like this, like this, like this, and it gives me good publicity for my stable. But it is good for nothing. So the pastor thought, he said, so many in my congregation are like that. You cannot put a gene on them. You cannot put a burden on them. You cannot put them for racing also. But what do they do? Pose. They're elitists. So, look at this. He says, let a royal robe be brought which has a royal crest upon his head. Royal horse. Only one person has ridden on that horse. Who's that? The king. And then, and let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of the one of king's most noble princesses that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor then parade him on the horse back through the city square and proclaim before him thus it shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. So if you want to really get honor you should sit on the donkey on which the king rode. So what is actual honor? If we become the donkey on which our king rides, then we ultimately become people who really bring honor to him. Let me tell you something. What is he saying? He's saying it should be a tender horse, small horse. Imagine, imagine, okay? Small donkey, huge 33 and a half year old man. When you look at the side, what will you say? Poor donkey. What is this? This fellow is struggling to come and this, this, this guy has no uh, mercy at all on the, on the donkey. But you know something? Let me, show, let me show you. Turn, turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3 verse 26 and 27. Okay? Lamentations chapter 3 verses 26 and 27. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a young man to bear the yoke of the Lord when he is what? Young and tender. Okay? You know the best time of your life is when you're a young guy, full of energy, we have full of potential. You give yourself to God. And you know what God says? I want the donkey on which no man has sat, has ever, has ever sat on it. He, he never sat. No man sat on it. I want that kind of a donkey. 
And you know what happens? They bring this donkey and they all are putting their thrones and this man is is, is riding on the donkey and everybody looks at him and he says, what kind of a man is this? This is king? This is king? When you look at him, you think he has no power. But the very next moment, you know what he does? He goes to the temple, you know what he does? He chases everybody. You know why he has authority? Because he's humble. Let us read a few verses today. Let's turn to Lamentations chapter 3. Verses 25 to 33, if you can put it in message. 25 to 33. Yeah. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the man who delights, diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for, for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick, stick it out through the hard times. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. And finally, verse 33, he takes no pleasure in making life hard, in throwing roadblocks in the way, stomping down hard on luckless prisoners, refusing justice to victims in the court of high God. You know what God is saying? When you're young, when there's absolutely, when you're tender in the sight of God, and you're young, all young people, no? I want to give my life, God, to you even when I'm young. One thing I never ever want to do, I never ever want to be stained by this world. It says in book of Revelation, they followed the lamb wherever he went. These are those people who do not defile themselves with what? Women. They're not, they were unspotted with the world. But the problem is, we are living in a world, we are living in a time where everything is going berserk and we are actually not finding the purpose for our lives, you know, simply because everywhere is, you know what, your best, you have to give the best when you are young to something else, but not to God. Not to God. This morning, I want to ask you some questions. Ask ourselves these questions. Do we worship God with the best that we have? Do we give to God what we don't give to the world? Do we genuinely say, Lord, here I am. Be with me. When I'm young, I want to, when I'm, when I have a full potential, I want to give it to you. First Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 to 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. What did God do to the, to the tender donkey? He first loosed it. What did he say? The Lord has need of it. You know what he did? He loosed us all because he has a need for all of us. Just imagine, no? How humble God is. Can God, does God need anything? No. But yet he says, you know what? Vijay, come here. 
He says, we are co-laborers together with the Lord. What are God? Who's my colleague? Vijay. Will your, master, will your uh, manager call you a colleague? No. He says, I am your manager. These are all your, my subordinates. You are colleagues, I am not. And what does God say? You are co-laborers along with me. I have a need of you. Think about it. Another place. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Do not become slaves of men. Meaning, you are supposed to save, serve God and not man. Another place. Turn with me to Luke's gospel chapter 13 verses 11 to 13. Luke's gospel chapter 11, uh, 13 verses 11 to 13. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could not in any way rise up, raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, you are what? Loosed from your I lose, I lose you. I made you go free. I set you free. John's gospel chapter 11 verse 44. John's gospel chapter 11 verse 44. Look at what it says. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, lose him and let him go. But where did God find him? Uh, right at the table. Seated with, the, seated with Jesus at the table. Now he has become a witness. Was ready to be martyred for God. Ready to be martyred for God. God loosed all of us. But still gives, he gives us a choice. He still gives us a choice and he says, you know what? You can live for yourself, but you can, or you can live for me. But the Lord has a need of you. Will you come? Will you come? How do you apply this in your own life? Simple, simple ways. Body for the Lord, Lord for the body. We'll go back to that place in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And if you can put it in the message, please. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can ever do for him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can ever do for him. That means what? The Lord has a need of you. He has a need of you. Surrender yourself to him. And you know something? Even as you surrender, slowly God's purposes in your life will get unfolded one step at a time. One step at a time. It's not going to be revealed instantaneously. I remember when I was, when I was, uh, in, in another country, you know, the first, when I got baptized, I told God, Lord, I will serve you all my life. And then God said, okay, I'm taking you at your word. For three, after three and a half years, I was searching for God and God said, leave and go back to your country. I came back to my country, came back to India, and the first thing I meet is my friend. Okay. I told you the story. He says, Vijay, you have to come home. Um, we have to meet over for lunch. You have to come to this church. Yeah. Okay. I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. Slowly, slowly, slowly. When I started coming to this church, one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. And I remember one day, Pastor said, Vijay, you have to lead uh, the Bible study in the church. I said, Bible study, not a problem. Yeah, Bible study, not a problem. And after started reading Bible study, few days, and one day, he said, Vijay, next week you are preaching. Okay, that was uh, in uh, 2009, if I'm right. 2009, yeah, 2009, 2010. 
2010, right? 2010. And after that, I had a heart attack. Okay. I did not know what I was supposed to say. I, I remember I was there in uh, in the pew in the in the in the in the pulpit and I said whatever I did I didn't even, I didn't even I don't even remember what I spoke and pastor said that was a good sermon definitely not a good sermon he just encouraged me and then he had to go out of station for a Wednesday okay. and then he said Vijay this next Wednesday you are going to share the Bible study I'm telling you something slowly, one step at a time, one step at a time. And one day, I knew in my heart, he said, there are two people in this congregation whom God has called to full-time ministry. I'll tell you something, I honest before God, okay? I bowed down my head and I started smiling because I knew it was me. It was, I, I knew for sure because already God was speaking to me, right? And then the next day I went to his home for a prayer meeting. It was, we had the men's prayer those days. He said, Vijay, uh, are you ready? I said, uh, for what? <laughs> yeah, you know, you should fast and pray and get into the teaching ministry. Slowly, 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 okay. Full-time ministry was coming. And they started calling me JP. Even now, in many of their phones, it is JP only. And I used to hate it from the bottom of my heart. I used to tell them, Sister Elsa, I worked so hard. Okay. And I don't think God is so foolish to ask me to let go all this and to come here. I cannot imagine a life where I'll be paid for preaching the word. No, I can't still now, okay. Honestly, I'll, let, let me tell you, honestly, honestly, okay. One of the things that I do deliberately is reject calls for preaching in other churches. Deliberately. Because when I go there, they'll give me an honorarium. And I hate it. Okay, I don't know why. Because it was still, I can't imagine a life. I cannot imagine a life where I'll be paid for preaching the word. I never, never even thought, okay, you know, it, it, it was like this, you know. Uh, God, uh, I will support Pastor Eric. Let him go to the full-time ministry. I will work very hard. I would also be a part of the church, but you know what God said? You are going to leave and cleave to me. You should see the fight. Every day fight, but slowly, slowly. I would, I would see situations in my life just unfolding like this and showing the way for me. And, and you know what? I knew that was true because the moment you start Taking a step towards God, what comes is not success but trouble. Okay. Okay. What comes is not an increased bank balance but a diminished bank balance. Okay. If suddenly if your bank balance increases and you are coming to full-time ministry, that means that you are on the wrong path. Abraham was called out of the earth of the Chaldeans and immediately entered into a famine. Okay. All of us will go through that. But let me tell you something. Till now, till now, one of the things I said, I will never ask for my parents. God is my witness. And till now, I have never ever asked one single buy for my parents. Nothing. Nothing. 
slowly started unfolding. Let me tell you something. This king asks for a tender colt on upon which no man has ever sat. But the problem is, on our li- in our lives, so many people have sat. We have been tainted by the world. But you know what God said? I will lose you first. I will lose you from every clutches of this world. There are so many of us who are touched tied to relationships. Okay. God says, unless and until I lose, you know, you can easily lose a donkey. What, what to do to a donkey? Just untie it. Okay. But for us, it's a spiritual thing. He has untied it and he says, oh, the master has a use of you, has a need of you. No, not the master. The Lord has a need of you. Think about this. You know, it's, there are two places where this thing happens. Okay, the first thing, Jesus says, go there, you'll find this uh, colt and a, and, a, and a donkey together, bring it here. If anyone asks, the Lord has a need of it. Now he asks the disciples, two of his disciples, he says, go and prepare this room and tell that fellow, no, the teacher or the master has a, asked this place. It's a total difference. When he's asking for the donkey, he's saying what? The Lord. When he's asking for the place, he's saying the master. Who's, you know what he's telling all of us here? The Lord has a need of you. The Lord has a need of you. He has loosed you. He owns you. He owns you twice. He has paid the ultimate price for you. Ultimate price for you. But you know what happens? We are still trapped in our mind. We are still not loose in our mind. It's like this, no? The elephant, the elephant, you tie it to a chain. Initially, you take a hard chain and tie it. So it starts pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling over a period of time. It gives gives up. Now what? After you, after it gives up, you know what the what the guy guy has to do? He just has to tie a small rope. That's all. The strength of the elephant can just kick it like that and go go free, but it will not. You know why? Because it's trapped already in the mind. So many people are still trapped in their mind, and God says, "I have loosed you." Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. Woman, you are loose from that relationship. Woman, you are you loose from all the things that was, that is holding you back. What are you going to do? I have a use for you. Will you come? Will you come? He needs a colt. He needs a young donkey. Unstained by man. A young donkey which is unstained by this world. Are we colts? Tender donkeys? You know what tenderness means? You can be easily taught. You can tell, you tell him once, you will learn. Easily malleable and ductile. You can, you can keep on changing and changing and changing and correcting you because you're, you have a, you have a tender heart which can easily be molded. You will not fight situations. You will not fight circumstances. You will yield to circumstances. You will not fight what God has allowed into your life. You will yield to them. You know, there's a phrase called the grace of yielding. The wisdom which is from above is what? It is yielding. It doesn't fight the purposes of God. It yields to the purposes of God. What will you do today, this morning? The Lord has a need for young colts and young donkeys. Are we colts? Tender donkeys? unspotted by the world and you will say brother, 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 you do not know brother so many troubles in my life let's go back again to Lamentations chapter 3 please verse 28, put it in message 28 through 30 28 through 30 when life is heavy and hard to take go off by yourself, enter the silence you know what you should do go off, 
enter silence, stop everything, spend time with God. Then, bow in prayer. Don't ask us questions. Wait for hope. You know, what, what do we do? Lord, why did you allow? Why did you allow? Why did you allow? Why did you allow? Don't ask questions. Bow in prayer. Don't run from trouble. Take it what? Full face. That's what Paul tells Timothy. He says, endure hardship as a good soldier. As discipline. The worst is never the worst. Go on. Why? Because the master won't ever walk out or fail to return. He will come back. He is the master. Because the master won't. And then, but if, if he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. Some of you says, you know what? Lord has dealt severely with me. You know what? He has, if he has dealt severely with you, let me also tell you, he also will deal, deal, with, deal with you tenderly. Tenderly. So what do we want to be today, this morning? You see? It took a lot of time for Abraham to become a donkey, which is tender. Lot of, lot of time. You see, it's a spiritual disposition. God called Abraham out of the land of the Chaldeans. He came out. He came out, he went down to Egypt. Okay. Immediately he went down to Egypt. He was still wanted to do his own way. And then again, he made a mistake, blunders, he came back, came back to the altar, he set his life in order with God, and then immediately had a strife between his, in his family, between two, two brothers, there was strife. And God said, okay, let this fellow go. That, that, that guy went. He was still not ready. He's still not ready. Okay. So many situations and trials. And one day he, his brother is in trouble. He goes and helps his brother. And he comes back. And he's sitting all by himself and he's contemplating. God says, I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. And Abraham says, what is the use, Lord? What is the use? I don't have any child. The, the guy who's there in my, as a hare in my household is Eliezer of Damascus. God says, come out. See the stars. So many of your children will be. And it says, Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as for righteousness. And immediately after that, he's impatient and he tries to, you know what, create something of God through his flesh. God stops talking to him. And then one day God appears to him after in uh, 99 years, he says, Abraham, walk thou before me and be thou blameless. Okay. He finishes that course. And then he has Isaac. Isaac is born. And when Isaac is born, there's Ishmael. Uh, mocking Isaac and he says throw out this bond woman the bond woman and the son are thrown out and in Genesis chapter 29 22 the Lord appears to Abraham and he says Abraham take now your son and your only son and offer him as an altar you know what what does Abraham say when God says Abraham Hebron what does he say here I am here I am so many situations and circumstances and trials to bring him to a point in his life and he says Lord God has dealt with us so many blows. Blow after blow after blow after blow. How many blows does it take to God for us to say, Lord, here. For Joseph, it was not very difficult. Joseph, here I am. Go and search for your birth. Immediately goes. Here I am. How many of us want to be like donkeys? That donkey which is available to God. God says, I have a need of you. The Lord has a need. The Lord has a need. 
Let me tell you something. The Lord needs in these last days, young men and young women, young men, young women, older men, older women, doesn't matter which, which age, and young couples who really, really are sold out to God and who say, Lord, my life is governed by scriptures, by the, by the scriptures. I'm not going to go to the left and I'm not going to go to the right. I want to be a person who's absolutely uncompromised in this world. He needs, he needs a witness. Will we be that, will we be that witness? Or do we say, Lord, a few more days, let me alone. Or some will say, Lord, I can't be used, Lord. I have experienced so much. What can you use me for? What can you use me for? You know what God says? Even the ears, the locusts have eaten, I will return it back to you. All I am looking is for your surrender. Will you say, here I am. So this morning, even as we stand in the presence of the Lord, can we all stand? Just stand for a few minutes. We'll just seek the face of God for a few minutes in the presence of the Lord. And say, Lord, I don't want to waste another moment in my life running after things which do not profit. So many of us waste time on entertainment. So many of us waste time on things which actually waste our time. The Bible says in 1st Peter chapter 4, the time is sufficient. Time is sufficient. You've spent sufficient time in this world in fulfilling the lusts of your own flesh. But now, but now, the rest of your life, live for the will of God. And it doesn't matter what your age is. It does not matter. The Bible is full of people with different age groups. All that God is looking for, I have loosed you. I gave you new birth. I gave you new birth. I loosed you and I bought you and I made you my own. I have a need of you. There's only one thing. There's, there's one thing for your life only you can fulfill and accomplish. God is saying, will you say, Lord, I want to find that purpose in my life. I don't want to waste my time. Whatever that purpose is. Whatever that it is, Lord, speak to me. Let it become more and more clear. And it'll become, and it'll be one day at a time, one day at a time, little, 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 little decisions. And the plan of God will be unfolding in your lives. And more and more and more detail. And one, and then one day you will know this is from God and this is not from man. Lord, this morning, I pray, Lord, that you will find in this congregation, instead of young people, because many of them are young. Many of them are young, O oh Lord. So many of them whom you have already loosed. But they are still trapped in their mind. And you are telling them this morning, the master has a need of you. And I am not going to sit on a donkey upon which a man sat. I want you to be mine. 
and mine alone. The mind that God has given you, the talents that God has given you, the giftings that God has given you, the resources that God has given you, the attitudes, the temperaments that God has given you, that has that God has wrought in your life through situations and trials, everything. I have a need. I have a need. I have a need. What an awesome God. A God who doesn't need anything. A God who says, I'm complete in myself. A God who's totally, totally content in the Trinity. The Father was absolutely content in the Son. The Son was absolutely content in the Father. And the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Father were absolutely content in each other who does not need anything. They say, we have a need this morning. What a God we serve. A humble God. An awesome God. A powerful God. A holy God. Who says, come, I've loosed you. Will you serve me? Will you quit all those things which are getting you tied to this world? I've loosed you. And this morning... Let's all praise, Lord, whatever is tying me to this world, O Lord Jesus, break it down, Lord. Lose me, O Lord, even in my mind, O Lord, Father. Let me not just carry it, O Lord, in my mind. Let let me let go and let you be the God of my life, the Lord of my life. If any man loves his life, he will lose it. If any man loses his life for my sake, he will find it. The Lord has a need. I want to fulfill that need. Father, this morning, let us be like Paul who makes those audacious statements and says, I want to complete the sufferings of Christ in my body. A man was totally, completely, totally available for his master. Father, May you find a resolve in all of us. A fresh resolve. Who will be ready to bear the burden. But you said in your word, when burden is light, I am meek and lonely, lowly. Father, this morning, Father, we want to commit ourselves to you once again, afresh. Afresh, O oh Lord. Yes, Lord, in the past we might have committed ourselves and so many number of times. But again, Lord, we want to come back to you this morning. We want to do a fresh commitment back to you, O Lord. We want to say, O Lord, everything that we have, we want to give it to you, O Lord. Father, lose us. This morning, lose us. Lose us with those things that Satan has kept us bound. Lose us. Hallelujah. Brother Peter, can we sing that song? I'm so glad Jesus set me free. And then we can praise, worship, and then we can pray. Hallelujah. This morning, yes, let's pray and let's confess and say, Lord, set me free. Lose me, O Lord, Father. Lose me, Lord. And let me, Lord, be available to you, O Lord, all the days of my life. Oh, Jesus, touch, touch this morning. Hallelujah. I'm so glad Jesus set me free.
set me free. I'm so glad. Jesus set me free. I'm so glad. Jesus set me free. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. Satan had me glad. Jesus accepted me. I'm so glad. Jesus set me free. I'm so glad. Jesus set me free. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound. Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound. But Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound. Jesus set me free. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. When I was in sin, Jesus set me free. When I was in sin, Jesus set me free. When I was in sin, Jesus set me free. Singing glory, hallelujah. Singing glory, hallelujah. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. Father, this morning, Lord, lose your children, O Lord. Lose your children this morning with whatever binds their mind, O Lord. So many of our young people trapped in their mind, O Lord. So many of them trapped with pornography, O Lord. So many of them trapped with addictions, O Lord. So Father, so many of them trapped with legal entertainment, O Lord. That which is legal, wasting time with that which is legal. Oh Father, this morning I pray that you would lose them, O Lord. Lose them, O Lord. Lose them and say, and speak to them and say, I have a need of you. I have a need of you. Will you come and let allow me to ride you and ride you and direct the course of your life this morning? Oh Father, lose, oh Lord Father, your people. Even, even those who are trapped in their minds, oh Lord Father. They've been trapped, oh Lord Father, for years and years and years, oh Lord Father, with all the hurts and the pains and the tragedies of their life. Oh Father, they've been trapped. Lord, like Naomi, they cannot say anything. The law, they, they say that Almighty has dealt severely with me. I pray, Lord, you would have mercy upon them. That you would lose them this morning, O Lord Father. That you would lose us, O Lord, this morning. That we will truly be set free in our minds to worship you and to serve you, O Father. O Lord, O Lord, that we will truly be a witness like Lazarus, O Lord Father. What an honor, what a privilege, O Lord Jesus. What a privilege to be your witness, O Lord. What a privilege to work for you, O Lord. What a privilege to worship you, O Lord. What a privilege that you have afforded us that we should be called the sons of God. And your word says, if the Son has set you free. You are free indeed. And this morning, oh Father, let the truth set us free, oh Lord. Let us be sick and tired of being sick and tired, oh Lord Jesus. And say, Lord, I have had enough of this life. I have had enough of defeat, oh Lord. Lord, lose me and use me. Lose me, oh Lord, and use me for your glory. Lose me and here I am. Lord, may you find the people, oh Lord Father. Even during these coming days, oh Lord Father, I pray, Lord, you would find people with a disposition in their mind. They will say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. People who have been cleansed from sin, who have been cleansed from un- unclean lips, who have been cleansed from unle- unclean thoughts, who have been cleansed from unclean relationships, who have been cleansed, O oh Lord, Father, from unclean career options, O oh Lord. O oh Father, who have been set free, O oh Lord. They will say, Lord, and you will say, who is, who, whom, shall I, whom shall we send? And they will say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, send me, O oh Lord. Whatever be the situation, whatever be the mission field, what, wherever I go, I will serve you, O oh Lord. O oh Father, grant us grace to that and we pray, O oh Lord, Father. Unfold, O oh Lord, Father. Unfold those who are 
Father, who've been walking and walking and they see no light, let them see light. Let them know, Lord, that you are the, you are with them, O Lord Jesus. That you have not forsaken them, O Lord. Lord, Lord, that that you do not, Lord Father, afflict. Even if you afflict, you will deal tenderly, O Lord. What an awesome God that we serve this morning. Touch, O Lord. Touch, O Lord. Touch, touch. Set your children free this morning. Let them experience your deliverance, not just today, O Lord. Even through the week, let them follow you hard and say, Lord, my life is yours. I want to live for you. Oh, Father, may you find young, tender donkeys who have been cleansed from the defilements of this world, from the uncleanness of this world, from the lusts and the entrapments and the attractions of this world. Let them find you attracted, attractive this morning, oh Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. As your children grow into another, go into another week, I pray, Lord, that you would go with them, oh Lord. Go ahead of them, straight and crooked, crooked paths for them, oh Lord, Father. And let us continue to walk in your deliverance. Let us find your purpose. Your word says, if any man wills to know the will of God, to do the will of God, he will know. And I pray, Father, that you will, you will find a set of people who will say, Lord, I am willing to do your will. And they will know what you have for them, O Lord Jesus. Thank you. Because Lord, with God, there are no accidents. With God, there's absolute clarity. There is no confusion because our God is an author of not of confusion, but of order. Thank you, Father. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Let us be free in our hearts. Let us be free in our minds. Let us be loosed, O Lord Father, from from our infirmities. Let us be set free, O Lord Jesus, to serve you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us, even as we walk in freedom. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.